This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success. This is David Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have an incredible entrepreneur, Danny Cortenraid. He's the founder of In Studio Ventures. He also is the founder of Venture Rock. He is funding more great ideas, bringing them to market, to fruition, than any other young entrepreneur that I know. Welcome to the greatest stadium on earth, Danny Cortenraid. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's great to be here in this amazing stadium. 5.2 billion, right? It's yeah. crazy. It is crazy, but it's also a testament to your perception. You and I both come from meager backgrounds to actually believe that not only would we see a $5.2 billion stadium someday, not only could we come and visit, but we actually could have a studio and inspire others and do content, have an office, a training center, all the things that we get to do in our lives. And yep. you have done it in sports and entertainment just like I have. At what point in your life did you stop pinching yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Sometimes you're just building, and that's what I love to do, like being an entrepreneur. My father's an entrepreneur, my grandfather. So I just love the game. But sometimes you reflect and sitting with my wife and thinking, okay, what did I build and where am I? I think if I was 18 and now looking, I'm now 40, if I could sign for doing what I'm doing and the things I've built, I would sign for it 100%. So I'm, I'm really grateful in the things what I've been able to do and the impact that we're creating in the sports and media industry. Yeah, one of the things I ask serial entrepreneurs like yourself that have been ultra successful in their career is if you knew what it was going to take to get to where you are when you're 40, would you do it again? And we know you do it again from the results. Yeah. But I look back and see the bankruptcy and all this different stuff, and I question if somebody would have laid out in front of me saying, someday you're gonna be sitting at SoFi Stadium with Danny Cortenraid, and everyone's gonna be admiring both of you guys and looking up to you, but in order to get there, here's what you're gonna to have to go through. Would you do it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I still will, will do it because, I, again, I love just the whole building aspect and there are really hard times. I think not a lot of people have that resilience and making sure they can push through because, uh, to your point, yeah, you went bankrupt. I had big things happening with building one house and four, three, three, moving to another country from Amsterdam to New York City, then to Los Angeles. I don't will go into the details, but so much things happening during that time. Um, yeah, and it, it can be hard, but in the end, if you really, really love what you're doing, um, yeah, I think still, I will still do it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would as well. When you were young, did you tell yourself something uh, to inspire you? You know, for me, I sat on my bed during law school when my brother had passed away, and. My credit was bad and I was $100,000 in debt from going to law school and there was a recession. But I remember telling myself, God, if you allow me to pay back my law loans and buy my mom a house, I will shovel shit with my hands mm -hmm. six days a week, 12 hours a day in gratitude to get there. Yeah. Was there some sort of perspective building when you were young saying, hey, God or universe, I'm willing to do all of this for this? Actually, I don't say this often, but now when I'm driving or just thinking, I'm looking upstairs and thank my grandfather, 
Yeah. That's, that's really what I'm doing because he was an entrepreneur and I still have a connection, strong connection with him. So I still say thank you and he gives me sorts of a support in building the whole ventures, what I did in all those last couple of years. And for me, it's really about giving back. I have two little boys myself and to get kids active again, for example, that they not sit behind a uh, laptop or iPad, but coming up with solutions in the sports and gamifications to get those kids active again. That's for me the trigger that I feel fulfilled as a person. Um, so that wakes, that's the reason why I wake up and being in there and making sure we can create that impact in the industry, if that makes sense. And with ISV and Studio Ventures, you share a vision and a mission like I do to build a community. And yeah. With 433, you built a huge community and you're building another community, but this time you're infusing capital into the community. You're making a bet or an investment in a variety of ways. How have you structured things today to do what you did in theory with 433 of building a community with great ideas and great content. Now you're putting your money where your mouth is. What does that look like today? Because it's a whole different ball game to put your money where your mouth is. For sure, no, great question. So I started with one half that's affiliated to 433. 433 grew out to the biggest soccer community in the world. Building that whole agency from scratch was a great learning curve, right? Building that in Amsterdam, New York City, Los Angeles. But now my goal with in Studio Ventures is you, if you, and you know that, right? You have so many founders who are building their ventures, trying to make it happen. But if you look at the figures, 80% of those ventures are failing within five years globally. So if you look at those figures, that's for me, that's crazy. You have smart founders, you have great solutions, but still they don't make it. For me, that was the main reason to combine entrepreneurship, investing and sports in this vehicle and help those entrepreneurs succeed. And what we, what we are doing in a structured way, we almost create an MBA for entrepreneurs to help them, to get them from zero to series A. So one is with cash, we're investing average two and a half million per startup. So that's actually a little bit more than typical VCs are doing. They're putting 250K or 500K in there. Now we are investing that whole journey. And besides that, and I think that's even more important than just the cash, helping them succeeding with our system. And it's not to give those guys extra workloads, no, to help them in a good and structured way to get them to Series A. And that's what we're showing. We did it already in the FinTech industry, so we have our track record there. Now uh, implementing it in the sports and media. And that's going well. We invested in an eSports gaming company one and a half year back. Those guys are now closing their Series A round. So very grateful for that. We just closed another big deal with the famous athletes. We will announce that on a short term. You know where I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so that's, that's happening. Uh, and we're launching another new fund uh, at the beginning of next year. And that's a little bit for later stage companies. So we're already doing a million plus revenue. Incredible. Now, I'm always looking for common denominators. And the way that I find the common denominators is I'm constantly learning, asking for help, asking questions, getting and gathering clues in order to effectuate patterns. Yeah. And then after understanding how the patterns equate or align with history, then I'm able to make better choices, statistically successful choices. I call it finding common denominators. Mm -hmm. When you're like with ISV and the sub uh, structures that you have, yeah. what are the common denominators that you look for either in an entrepreneur mm -hmm. or in a business today? From a business perspective, there are a couple of things where we're looking at. I think first, the, the, the people behind the company is crucial, right? If you have a, 
winner, rock solid team, you will also build a, a great business. So are those, we look normally for two co-founders, they are complementary to each other. They have a track record, they have already built something normally. I need to be honest, we're also working with universities, so with UC Berkeley, super smart founders and picking up them and helping them to guide them and investing in those guys. Um, so it's not always that you needed to build. Uh, the business model, the value proposition, is the company scalable? But in the end, for me, it's really about people. I'm a people person, um, so I'm looking deeply at that aspect. And of course, the, the market in, in, in general, um, is, is the market big enough and can we make that impact and grow to a successful company? Uh, so that are the main factors where I'm looking at. And this is a selfish question for those of my audience that know me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have differing opinions on this. What's your opinion or perspective on entrepreneurs that have gone bankrupt? For me, that doesn't matter. I, I actually, um, for me, that that's okay. I, to, to be honest, in the Netherlands where I'm from, sometimes they will put you in a specific bucket and yes. they think, okay, this guy don't work or women or whatever. This is, this is, he showed that he failed, so we will not work with him. I actually also moved into the United States my perspective is that people are respecting it here more and see it as a failure, but you can learn from it, right? You can learn yeah. from this, what you experience, and I, I am the same, so I, I don't care at all, to be honest. I want to understand what exactly happened. Yeah. So do I, <clears throat> obviously, but for the rest, I, for me, that's not a big thing. No. It's amazing, because I, when I visited the Netherlands and in Amsterdam, yeah. uh, initially when I went bankrupt, it had a different scarlet letter than oh, in yeah. America, where on average, uh, the average millionaire in America goes bankrupt twice. Yeah. Uh, it's what they learn from it and exactly. utilize uh, for that. Now, let's talk about desire. Um, that we've talked about the skills that you look for, yep. the knowledge of what you've learned and other people have learned and what mm -hmm. you're looking for there. But there's this uh, subjective opinion about desire. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer that the number one thing that I'm trying to figure out is do you have a desire mm. that you must be what you can be? Yeah. Because the entrepreneurs and businesses that have that desire, they figure it out. No, In the worst of times, how do you determine desire or where does it fall within the context of making decisions on who to put your money behind? Crucial. That is, is I think, one of the most important things. Those people who will... Whatever it takes, they will make it happen, right? I yeah. think that's the... Even when no one believes them. <laughs> no, whatever. They, they, they will get those... I was listening, actually, of, uh, this morning also to Michael Rubin on an interview, how he's tell, uh, talking about how we build fanatics. He's now worth 11.2 billion. He said, I'm a dropout, uh, but I'm the hardest worker. I will figure it out. I'm street smart. I have the network around me. Look, you. he just... Yeah, and of course, now I can say that, but you know what I mean? Those people who are so hungry and they will make it happen, they have that desire, that real desire to make it happen. For me, that's one of the most important things where we're looking at. Again, that's the people, the people behind the company where we're looking at, because it, it's so hard to build. And you know that, Dave. Yeah. You know how hard it is to build a company. And a lot of people now think it's almost cool to be an entrepreneur. It's not cool. Yeah. You need to fucking work so hard to make this happen. So think about that. Otherwise, stay safe in your corporate job. This is a hard thing. And you need to be able to handle it and have real passion for what you're doing. And if you have that, I think you will succeed in the end. <clears throat> yeah. 
every great entrepreneur, including you, and I got to know you over the years, uh, a lot is revolving around self-talk. Uh, I saw some research the other day that 80% of all self-talk is negative. Mm. 90% of all self-talk is repetitive. So our biggest nemesis is ourself, which every entrepreneur yeah. will tell you, but it's not just ourself, it's the way we talk to ourselves that really can inhibit our success. I know that you have self-talk. I'm sure from the failures and successes that you've had in your career, that some of that self-talk has been negative and repetitive. Have you learned any tricks or tips about how to control or even maintain positive self-talk and positive self-image? From nature, I'm a positive guy. That's Me also too. what I get. We're born with from, the happy gene? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean that. That's also what I get from feedback from my family or from friends. Yeah. They say, Danny, you're always so positive. You, you think always, I'm always thinking in a solution. So that's something what's just a natural thing Genetic to me. and energy. Genetic, so yeah. I, will, I will figure it out. I'm thinking always in the positive thing, and my wife sometimes hates it. Yeah, <laughs> my too. Right? Too, yeah. There is not always a solution for, for anything, so that's that's a feedback what you get on the <laughs> other side. But that's how I just act, and I will make it happen. So I don't know. That's just something what's in me, and um, that that helped me a lot during all those years. And you need that. You need to yeah. think about in that in a positive way. But I also had those times when things went wrong, or I lost a big deal or whatever happened or the team was not functioning like I wanted to do, how can I figure that out? But in the end, I was still thinking, okay, it is possible, I will make it happen. And then being around the right people, the right mentors around me or people who have already done it before, that combination will make it happen in the end. Now <clears throat> we have a lot of different options, opportunities, touches of favor. So prioritization is a really important thing. Mm -hmm when you have a lot yeah. of chances and choices, yeah. prioritization is important. Do you have any qualifications in prioritization when you have a day where you have so many different things mm -hmm. that you could do, can do, want to do, how do you prioritize the choices you make and the activities you pick? This is crucial and I needed to learn that to be honest because I also, again, that positive thing, seeing opportunities everywhere, that was also my weakness some sort, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. you're talking with too many people, it doesn't add value to your main goal. So during the last years, I'm much more critical in where I spent my time, not meeting all the people around me. I get a lot of people are reaching out, they want to sit down with you, or they're pitching, right? They know you're running a fund. But I can spend my time, I looked at thousand startups last year, but now we have an investment analyst, we have people around me, so I'm very critical and I have very clear goals for myself, what I want to reach. And it needs to add value to those goals. And of course, you have some sort of space where you can add things and help people. It's not that I don't want to do that, but you need to be clear on how can I get there because otherwise you're all over the place. So the prioritization is, is I think, a crucial thing to succeed. Now you and I both invest heavily into sports and entertainment because we know sports and entertainment. Yeah. Uh, we can understand human nature by studying the history yeah. of sports and entertainment and human nature never changes. Um, but there's so many different areas to invest in today. It's a trillion dollar, multi-trillion dollar yeah. industry. You've put money into esports. Yeah. I'm sure in conjunction with uh, AI and yeah. how that yeah. also is utilized within sports and entertainment. What do you see for 2024 in the 
industry of sports and entertainment that would be our best bets to invest in? Oh yeah, great question. Look, you have, to your point, it's a trillion dollar industry. Uh, if you only look at the sports market, 500 billion, it will go to 623 next year. If you look at the sports tech market, that's all the innovation that's happening in the sports industry. That was around, in 2021, 13 billion. Next year, uh, 2022 was 30 billion. This year to 40, 50. The reason why I mentioned that is a growing market. 43% of that is going into fan engagement. So that's something, a lot of things, I get a lot of pitches, a lot of things are happening in that space. So that's something where we're looking at. Um, <clears throat> AI, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a word that a lot of people are using. So some people are just putting it in their back just to be part of the, the hype. But it's still important. We see a lot of great things happening in there. Uh, we're looking at uh, smart stadium solutions. So that's something where we're looking at with, with the fund. You mean this isn't a green screen? <laughs> yeah, actually, you get that feedback. It's crazy. No, it's real, Thank guys. God it's the real. It's, we're exactly. sitting here in the SoFi Stadium. Um, wearables, um, that, that are a couple main pillars where we're looking at. Um, and also for the next fund, later stage companies, and also looking to see what we can do with the clubs and the leagues. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's everything that has to do with sports innovation is something where we're looking at in those different four buckets. Yeah, I always say if you're making investment, know your timing and risk tolerance, which Danny does, but also look and see where those funds are synergistic to what's doing well yeah. today, yeah. what's stable today, and even more importantly in sports entertainment, what you think is going to be doing well in the future. Yeah. And AI, fan engagement, gambling, uh, gaming, esports yeah. as well, I think. We'll see continual growth probably throughout the next decade yeah, minimum. For sure. uh, it's a great place to put not only your attention, but your intention. And the number one intention that I found to put in sports entertainment is your money. No offense to Johnny Manziel, but you got to put your money where it is because we want to make more money, help more people, and have more fun by building a community of people that want to help each other and know people that can help each other. Danny, thank you so much. Danny Cortenraid here, building that community of people that are going to buy from each other, sell for each other, the incredible ISV. Thanks for joining me here at SoFi Stadium with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.